Welcome. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on your time zone. My name is Susanne van der A, and together with Miranda Nijenhuis, we are hosting this customer experience podcast for you. I combine a PhD in customer experience with 20 plus years of experience in CX transformation internationally, and my goal is to share my knowledge so we can enhance the quality of CX programs in as many organizations as possible across the globe. Yes, I know, it's a tiny dream, but come on, let's at least try to change the world together. Miranda has been my partner in crime for the last eight years, working together on many CX programs. In this series, she will be interviewing me on CX topics that are top of mind in most organizations we work with. All right. Zanna, yes. it's our first CX Energy Boost podcast. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> and we're going to talk about uh, setting your CX compass. Uh, what do you mean by this? Well, I think in the essence, what I mean with a compass is um, to just have the day-to-day context of an organization. Every employee is super busy, right? I have 1000 things to do. Yep. Uh, but if I know exactly where I can have the biggest impact for customers, and I really like the, the word that one of the employees mentioned. She said, it gives me laser focus. So for me, setting a CX compass is knowing exactly what do I need to improve to have the biggest impact in enhancing the experience of our customers. Yeah. And a lot of companies are struggling with this, right? What are they struggling with? Well, I think the key things that they are mentioning is that, uh, I think it's two things. One is, hey, I'm not seeing any effect. Right, so I'm measuring a net promoter score or satisfaction, right? The, the metric doesn't really matter. Yeah. And it either takes very long before I see something or I'm not seeing anything, let alone connected to financial impact. That's one, one issue. And the other issue is, okay, we're measuring something, but we don't really know what is the biggest driver, right? So which button can I push the most effective to have the fastest impact on increasing satisfaction? Yeah. So they're measuring something but they don't feel like I'm in the driving seat of improving customer experience. Yeah, exactly. All right. So setting it up the, uh, up the compass is uh, three steps, right? First one is choose the right uh, metric for the right experience. Yeah. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit more on this? Yeah, so what, what I saw well, a few years ago already is that when you talk about customer experience, it's such a broad field that you tend to sort of drown in the swamp, right? Yeah. And for example, if you're talking with a UX person, they will also talk about it's not just ux it's customer experience that we're doing the call center is saying hey but we are also in customer experience and it's not that they're not correct right it's a valid point but it's just not helping to not have the same language so i chose to start working i think three or four years ago with the five types of experience and this is not set in stone right it's not black or white but what i see is that it really helps to create at least the same language yeah but also to see, okay, because each type of experience is also a different uh, department in the organization. So to really understand, okay, what's what, um, who is responsible for what, and in the end, of course, you need to connect the five to have real transformation. So the five, the first is a brand experience. So brand experience to me is your reason of being, 
right? It should tell you, okay, why and what's my core added value? What's my sense of purpose as an organization? And it should be your guide for everything else. Should be, right? Because often it's not. But if my brand promise is around personal attention, my journey should be very should be designed very differently than if my uh, brand promise is about ease or speed. Should because often it's more of an external, right? Marketing communication, but it's not translated to journeys. Yeah. Um, and for each type of experience, you have a different metric. So I'll explain first the five types and then uh, connect the metric. So brand experience, number one. Then custom experience. So I define custom experience as from the moment I've decided to go to company X. And for example, I start with the web forum to, I don't know, buy a product. Um, I use it until I leave. So all my journeys, that to me is custom experience. Yeah. And you want two things. You want to have them in line with your brand promise. And you want to find those drivers, those key buttons to push to have the best experience in each of the journeys. The third one is employee experience, which for me is the same as customer experience. So it starts from the moment I decided I'm going to apply for a job at company X. But how I get there, the same for customers, so how company X is even top of mind, that to me is a brand experience. Or for employees, it's employer branding. And that's often the name that's used. So for employee experience, the same. What are the journeys of the employees? Is it in line with our brand promise? And what are the key drivers for employee engagement? That was number three. <laughs> it's a lot, right? <laughs> we have it in writing Stay as with well. us. Stay with <laughs> us, please. <laughs> uh, number four, service experience. And I define that as the human channels. So a customer calls you, sends you an email or chats. And they're the same. You want to know, of course, everybody's measuring, for example, first time fix. Mm-hmm. And then I get the answer uh, in, one, in one call. But there are more things, right? The employee, how do they treat you? So you want to have the drivers of that specific channel. But you also want to make sure, I tend to use an example of, let's say I'm Nike and I call the call center of Nike. I don't even know if Nike has a call center, (laughs) but just humor me. Um, And if I would have to wait, I would expect based on a brand promise that let's say the the tape I'm hearing is for example, a super inspiring athlete saying something, right? To to make my day. So make sure that also your service experience is aligned with your brand promise. And the last one, but not least, of course, is user experience. And also here, a lot of, let's say, true UXers will disagree with me making the definition super small. Uh, But I just see that that helps in organizations. So for me, UX is purely the digital side. So it's the the website, it's the app. And there the focus is, of course, about conversion, which is not my expertise. Uh, but the other part, connect experience, is really how do you make it as easy as possible. And in the end, you want to make sure that you connect the five together yeah. to have really transformation. And there's not one holy metric, right? No. Um, contrary to popular belief, <laughs> for example, at the Net Promoter Score, I don't know if you read the book of Reichelt, right? He's the author of the MPS. And the literal title of his book is The Ultimate Question. Uh, but that was pure marketing because in his own book, he's the first person to say, hey, you need to have more metrics than just one. Uh, so when you look at the five types, uh, and just so you know, we'll be making a, a, a podcast for each each metric. So I'll just highlight the, the metric for each of the types. So for brand experience, uh, it should be the NPS. That's for commercial companies, for government companies, 
in my opinion, MBS doesn't make any sense because I cannot go to a different organization, right? Exactly. Um, so there's the trust. Mm-hmm. In the end, you want to enhance trust. And also there you see this 8+. plus. I'm just remembering the 8+. Plus. Maybe we should get back to that later. Yeah. <laughs> it's relevant to increase trust. So brand experience, NPS, or trust. Custom experience. So for each journey, you're finding the drivers of satisfaction. So how satisfied were you with buying product X, for example? Yeah. For employees, it's something that's called effective commitment. Because a lot of companies are measuring employee engagement. But 99 out of 100, at least from my perspective, um, are not measuring from a scientific perspective, truly engagement. They're making a mix of satisfaction, uh, the employee version of the net promoter score, and then saying, hey, if we sort of average this, we have an engagement index. Well, uh, that should also be a separate podcast, I'm afraid. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so effective commitment is sort of my emotional connection to the company. It's questions like, I feel I belong to company X. Right? So it's really the soft side of, of uh, the loyalty that I feel towards the organization. That's employee experience. Then service experience is two things. It's satisfaction. How satisfied were you with uh, answering your, your question, for example? Yeah. But also first time right. So first time fix is something that all customer centers are measuring. Is do we answer a question in one call? And keep measuring that, right? That's a, that's a valid metric. But first time right is actually, am I preventing calls that also customers don't want to be making yeah. right, to your organization? And um, that's the question that we just put in a survey as well. The question is literally, dear customer, could we have prevented this call? Yes, no. And just as a side note, the percentages are often between 20 and 30%. So if you're looking for a speedy Gonzalez business case, this is the ultimate, the ultimate question. <laughs> Damn, we got an ultimate question. <laughs> because then you know, okay, if 30% of my customers are already saying, I wouldn't, you know, I'd, I'd prefer not to call you times, I don't know, 1 million calls per year. You have a super serious business case of 3 million to enhance your customer experience. Yeah, exactly. So enhance the customer experience and um, a decrease in the uh, calls you get, right? Exactly. Yeah. Super win-win in, uh, in, 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 in customer contact. There's a lot of win-win in happier customers and more efficiency. Yeah. So that was the fourth one, service experience, then user experience, of course, conversion. But as I already mentioned, that's not my expertise. Uh, but from an experience perspective, that's where the customer effort score comes in. Yeah. And the customer effort score is the question, how easy is it to do something? For example, the app made it very easy for me to, uh, I don't know, buy a, an extra product. Customer effort score will also be a separate podcast before <laughs> we dive into that rabbit hole. <laughs> Let's wrap this, this one up, right? Okay, so that was the first step. Yes. Uh, second step is um, uh, get measurements for uh, channels, journeys, and overall, right? Yeah. So what you see is that um, I think maybe five or ten years ago, this, this terminology touch points really took off. And what I see is that it's not helpful for two reasons. Because touch point is sometimes a channel, and a channel for me is a call, email, app, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the channel of communicating. And a touch point can often be a channel, or it can be sort of one step in a journey. For example, a touch point can also be uh, the account manager just visit me to discuss an offer. And the problem with that 
is twofold. If you're just measuring a touch point as part of a journey, you're missing my complete journey. As you think you're doing a very good job directly after that uh, offer, but the rest of the whole journey is lacking. Uh, and what several, um, let's say, survey tooling companies are doing, they're saying, okay, but in this whole journey, you have five different touch points. So we measure five separate touch points, and then we report those five as being the journey. Yeah. But that's something very different from actually measuring the whole journey. So just be aware of that. And also what often happens is that when you measure directly after a touch point, let's use the contact center as an example. A lot of contact centers are measuring as you just had the call and then they ask you, could you stay on the phone? And then a computer voice asks you two or three questions, which is super useful if you want to evaluate the employee, but it's not useful if you want to evaluate my service journey. Example. Let's say I'm calling a contact center because, I don't know, I want the company to send me form X. Um, Miranda, you pick up the phone, you say, yes, Zana, of course, no problem, I will send it to you right away. I'm super happy. I think, hey, perfect employee, perfect experience. So immediately after the contact, I will rate you a, uh, I'll rate Ten? you a nine. Yeah, ah. I think there's always room to improve. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> um, but then, if the form never arrives, then my journey is not positive. Yeah, exactly. And that explains why a lot of companies are reporting super high MPS or satisfaction scores, but they're still struggling to either see financial impact or they still see their customers leave, right? Because it's just missing a big part of the, of the journey. Yeah. All right. So we had channels, we had journeys and a journey for me is because that can also be a hype term. But journey for me is nothing else than the steps that the customer goes through with yeah. the organization. But then really from the outside in, so not the whole detailed internal procedure about invoicing, uh, but just, okay, I receive an invoice, I pay the invoice, and that's, Check. that's <laughs> part of my journey. Um, and um, let's say the number of journeys for an organization should be relatively limited. So eight to 10 journeys Maximum. That's normally well yeah. a good indication. Uh, so I, uh, for example, in an insurance company, I buy the insurance. Uh, I maybe I have a claim. Um, I have a question. Could be a journey. I get my right ticket every year. You get this new proposal of yep. your insurance. And that's a journey step. Uh, so eight to ten steps. That should be the indication for your journeys. So we have the channels. You have the journeys, and the last one is yeah something that's called like the overall score. So once a year. Uh, yes, once a year, not every week, not every <laughs> month. <laughs> um, you just make a sample of, let's say, your average customer base. And you make sure that the percentage of new customers, existing customers are, um, are part of that sample. And then you have the sort of sanity check every year. Okay, with everything we're doing on the channels, with everything we're doing on the journeys, do we also see indeed an increase of our total MPS or satisfaction? And with these three elements, you are covering, let's say, all the elements that are needed to be in the driving seat of customer experience. Cool. Sounds great. <laughs> Last step. Yes. How do we find the real drivers? Yes. And that's, of course, uh, how do you... Well, I'm, I'm, I know the, uh, the expression in Dutch. I cannot think quickly of the expression in English. What's it in Dutch? <laughs> in Dutch, it's... Dat is het hele eieren eten. Dat is het hele eieren eten. That's the whole egg eating. <laughs> Uh, so that's, that's, let's say, the key, yeah. the key to everything. 
because um, all companies are measuring something, whether it's MPS or satisfaction or the customer effort score. But how do you know for sure um, what really drives the MPS or how can you enhance it the fastest way? Yeah. And there's also this trend toward asking one question and then open text, which of course was also the basics of the MPS. And would you recommend us? And then the question why? But analyzing open text is a risk for is a risk for two reasons. One is that when you ask me directly why do you get a score, I start rationalizing my answer. I start thinking, well, because Miranda was super friendly, or because it was a super speedy process. Yeah. But I start rationalizing my answer. Well, we as human beings are not super rational uh, people. So you run the risk, and we've proven with data that's that not just a hypothetical risk, that even if, you know, like the Qualtrics and the Medallia and the survey tooling companies say we have uh, analytics engines that can analyze, I don't know, thousands of open answers, you're still analyzing the rational answers. So the risk is that the customer is telling you what they think matters, but their subconscious latent needs, which is often more emotional, not transactional, that number one is actually very different. And if you're not aware of that, then you start analyzing your open text. And then a contact center maybe is again a, a concrete example. If you analyze the open text, then a lot of people complain about this a choice menu, right? Press one for her, press two for exactly super <laughs> annoying. So if you would analyze the open answer, you would think, oops, we either need maybe to kill this whole thing, which has huge operational impact, um, or at least we need to improve it. Yeah. While also as part of my PhD, we measured this, right? So we measured. <laughs> um, it's freely available, not commercial. <laughs> All yours if you want it. You can download it. Um, and there the key is that you really. Um, so in, in the analysis, we saw that that choice menu, that IVR, um, has zero impact. Yeah. So the biggest driver, and when you say this, everybody says, duh, right? The biggest driver is the employee who's listening, who's friendly, giving the correct answer. But that's interesting, right? So after what we've done, I don't know, 500,000, I don't know how many drivers analysis, something like that, <laughs> across different countries, different branches, different organizations. And every time when you present the results, then people say, well, that's nothing new. We already knew this. Okay, but then why why were you constantly improving the transactional stuff while the human aspect, uh, the soft aspect, is your biggest driver? Yeah. So what did we learn from that, Miranda? What did we learn from that? <laughs> <laughs> that we now also always do first a quiz. Ah, of course. Yeah, the quiz. Yeah, so yeah, when we present really the results, nice. we're not just presenting the results. We first make a Kahoot quiz. Like, what do you think is the driver? And that's not just only fun, that's also a nice competition. Yeah. But that's really the aha moment where people say, oops, my assumptions maybe are not correct. And then they're really open to hear, okay, but what are these drivers telling me? Yeah. And, and uh, you were talking about like um, a speed on the one hand and emotional things on the other hand. So we uh, really have to have a balance in that as well, right? The emotional and the functional. Uh... Yeah, exactly. So what we do when we, uh, when we find those drivers, um, and just uh, stop me if we're going too much in detail because I think this should also be a separate Next podcast. podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's indeed so we, we build the whole uh, survey. So after journey mapping in the workshop, 
And we go through both the transactional steps in the process, but from a customer perspective, yeah. not from an internal perspective. And at the end of the workshop, we also ask about, okay, but what emotional experience do you want the customers to have? Those two ingredients together, we mix up to be explained later. And then we have the balance. So we have hard proof. Okay, in this case, yes, transaction is the number one. So we're not saying transaction is never the number one, but we're just testing it every time. What's in your context, in your journey, the biggest driver so you can improve fast. And when I say improve fast, I, I also remember that across all those organizations, every time within three months, and we've seen, right, not just a 0.1 increase, but a serious 0.5 or even a one, you know, from yeah. a seven to an eight. So it's not just us rambling about statistics. <laughs> it's it, really amazing. It's proven, right? In practice yeah. that indeed it, it just works every time. That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're going to the end of the podcast, right? Okay. Um, yeah, I think we covered it. We have uh, some new nice uh, podcast uh, topics. In the pipeline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe also about, uh, because you talked a little bit about the open text, uh, what, what can you do and don't do with the open text yeah. and with the complaints you get. Um, yeah. You think we wrap it up? I think let's wrap it up. All right. <laughs> so having all heard of this, we're really curious. What's the one uh, key insight and action that you take from the, this podcast? Let us know and uh, hope to see you soon. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs>